I promise you I'm not going to treat you like Pharaoh. I'm going to let God's people go just as quick as we can. And me and Brother James made the mistake of saying that the last afternoon service I was in with you here. We was both talking about how quick we was out of here. And the Lord blowed in there. And before we knew it, we was shouting and hurting people and tearing things up. But uh, it'll take that to keep me here a while. I'll just say it like that. Uh, we're back in in Second uh, Samuel chapter number nineteen, and uh, if y'all remember, a long time ago we started to thought in Second Samuel nineteen on the King is coming. I'll just read the one refresher verse, verse eighteen. There went over a ferry boat to carry over the king's household, and to do what he thought good. And Shimei the son of Gera fell down before the king. As he was come over Jordan. This morning we looked at uh, the king's coming, but what will he find? We saw that some were apathetic. Tribe of Judah that ought to have been out there begging King David to come back, but he had to send for them. And then we ended by looking at Shimei, thinking about this thought some were afraid. He knew he had rejected the king. And he knew because he had rejected the king, his life was in danger. He was going to be judged for it. And then this afternoon, I, I want to just quickly give you this one. It talks about a man by the name of Ziba. Ziba, some say, that came out. And the Bible said that uh, when he came out, uh, he was there in uh, verse 17 with uh, with with Shimei. I said there were a thousand men of Benjamin with with him, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons and his 20 servants with him, and they went over Jordan before the king. Uh, Ziba's not one that's apathetic, and uh, he's not one that's afraid. Matter of fact, uh, he has never done anything against the king, really. Uh, he, he didn't stand with Absalom. Uh, he he didn't uh, he didn't cuss or throw rocks with Shimei. Uh, he didn't have to have a special message from David to show up this day. But uh, we'll find this man by the name of Ziba was a con artist, a liar, and a scammer. Uh, he had been given charge over a little leper boy. We'll look at in a minute. I'm sorry, lame boy by the name of Mephibosheth. Uh, King David had found out Jonathan had a son by the name of Mephibosheth and he wanted to show him kindness. He wanted to give him lands and, and be a blessing to him and make him one of his sons. And, and he had put this man Ziba in charge of taking care of Mephibosheth's house. But Ziba had become greatly jealous of the blessings of Mephibosheth. Uh, Ziba had become uh, jealous over what uh, Ziba's house had that uh, he didn't have at his house. And over the course of time, Ziba had determined and had plotted and had planned uh, that one day he was going to get what Mephibosheth had. And when the day came that David left the kingdom, uh, the Bible said that Ziba, uh, and I give you the cliff notes on it, Ziba goes to Mephibosheth and says, I'm going to go get a couple of asses and, and some food and wine and things. I'm going to come back and get you and I'm going to take you to David. Because Ziba was dealing with a crippled man. But instead of doing what he said, he got those things, but he left Mephibosheth behind and he went to David 
And when David asked him where Mephibosheth was, uh, he said, he's on Absalom's side. He's against you. And because David had heard that Mephibosheth had turned on him and that Ziba here was bringing all these gifts and these presents, David said, well, you're going to get everything that belonged to Mephibosheth. He's not one that's apathetic. He's not one that's afraid. But he's one that's ashamed. You see, he thought that... Uh, that crippled boy might die or that David might die and that he wouldn't be found out. But now David is going to find out the truth that uh, Mephibosheth had been lied to and lied about. Am I talking to anybody that's understanding what it's like to be lied to and lied about? Uh, this man Zeba is ashamed. You say, why is he ashamed? Uh, because he's made out uh, like he's a true servant of the king. Uh, he's made out as if he's made some true sacrifices for the king. He brought bread, wine, cheeses, clusters of, of grapes, raisins, all these things that he brought when the king needed food. And he said, I brought you these gifts. But if you realize this, Zeba was not bringing what belonged to him. What he brought that day actually belonged to Mephibosheth. Hello, he was stealing from Mephibosheth and giving it to the king to make yourself look good. You say, what's that got to do with us? Can I just say you'll find this about Zeba? He looked like he was doing some great and noble and sacrificial things. He looked like he was loving on the king lavishly. But you find the truth was everything that he ever did, he did it for himself. He did it to gain favor with the king. He did it to get something in this life. He did it so that he could steal somebody's blessing away. Do you know it's a sad day that we're living in when there's a lot of people who are on the king's side. They're in the king's family. They're not standing with the God of this world. But everything they've ever done, they did for self. They never made a real sacrifice for the king. They never gave up. It was always about what can I get out of it. What's in it for me? I remember when I was growing up, Brother James, uh, there, was a, there was a couple in the church. They didn't have any kids at church. They didn't have grandkids, all those things. And uh, anyway, they had never done anything big at church, but they were there some of the time. And uh, I remember one day we came in, and uh, throughout the church, there were brand new fans and lights hanging up. And uh, they had little knobs, you could turn them on a section at a time. If you was hot, you could sit in the cold section. If you was cold, you could sit in the hot section. Some of y'all wish it was that way here, don't you? <laughs> I'd done that at our church one day. I had no excuse Sunday, and I turned the heat on on this half and the air on that half. I said, somebody's going to be happy somewhere. And uh, I seen all them fans, and I thought, man, that's nice. And, and uh, I, I was just a teenager, but I got hearing the talk. Everybody's talking about where these fans come from, didn't they? And uh, somebody said, uh, Steve and Carla give them. And I remember being floored. I said, you mean, I didn't know how much it cost, but I knew it was a lot of money. I mean, there was 20 fans and lights and all the labor to hang. And I thought, man. And in my mind, I thought, they really love Jesus. Uh, they must really love this church. They must really love the Lord that they've given this extravagant gift without even being asked for it. They had just given it. But I remember as I got called to preach and got the ministry and kind of got the inside track on things, my preacher finally explained to me one day one reason they was able to do that is because they didn't give ever on Sunday. 
They, they've, been, they've been pigeonholing them blessings all them years. And, and you realize if you just tithe once every 10 years, you could really write a check that would impress the one counting the money. Huh? See, that's what they did. They looked like they were doing something great for the Lord, but the truth was they were wanting to get noticed. They was wanting the spotlight on them. And that's how Zeba lived his life. He was wanting everybody to think that he was really helping the king. But really the whole time he's just trying to help himself. He never did anything for the king. It was always about what the king's going to do for me. Some were ashamed. Then we see there's a man by the name of Mephibosheth. We mention him. You find in verse number 24, Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed till the day came again in peace. came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him, Wherefore winnest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord... O king, my servant deceived me, for thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, that I may ride thereon and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. And he has slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And the king said to him, Why speakest thou any more of the matters I have said? Thou and Zeba divide the land. And Mephibosheth said to the king, Yea, let him take off for as much as my lord the king has come again in peace unto his own house. There were some that were apathetic. There were some that were afraid. Some that were ashamed at the king's coming. But we find this little crippled man by the name of Mephibosheth. There were some that were awaiting. The Bible said he had not trimmed his beard. He had not washed his clothes. He, he had not, can I just say it like this? He's not taking care of himself. Every morning, every night, the only thought that consumed the mind of Mephibosheth is when is my king coming by? When's the king going to get here? When will I see the king again? He was counting down the days. Why, well, I bet he had one of them calendars where he'd go in and mark it all. And he'd count up how many minutes and how many hours and how many days since he had last seen the face of the king. And Mephibosheth represents those that were to be like that are waiting and watching for the return of the king he wasn't without problems along the way there's some problems he experienced and just because you're looking for the king doesn't mean you're exempt from the troubles of this world he'd been lied to and lied about he was a lame man even the king said why didn't you follow me he said I was trying I was doing everything I could but uh, I know you ain't never brought it up king <laughs> I'd have to get long in depth in the story of Mephibosheth. I, I'm not going to run that rabbit, but uh, he said, I was trying, but King, you've treated me like you treat the rest of your sons, even though I was never really your son. You adopted me Amen. into the family. Right. And uh, you sat at your table and 
You ain't looked at this in a while, but King, I got to remind you, my legs don't work. <laughs> I'm lame. I was trying to follow you, but I kept falling. Am I talking to anybody that knows something about trying? Hey, you're trying to keep up with King Jesus and the path he's leading you down, but you just can't seem to keep up because his old lame legs keep letting you down. The Bible said a good man falleth seven times, but riseth up again. And sometimes it's hard to walk in his footsteps. The old song said, but when I stumble, he understands. He picks me up, wipes off my sin, puts me on my feet again. Yet he loves me as small as I am. Oh, there's some that were awaiting. We see the proof in that. He, he's, he's forsook the world. Huh? He forsook the world. He's forgot himself. He's not worried about the affairs of this life. Even the ordinary daily routine of and ritual of washing and cleansing. He said, I, I'm not going to clean up when my king's living in the wilderness. I'm not going to eat at the king's table when my king's are eating out in the wild. He said, no, no. He said, I'm going to live. I may be living on this side of Jordan, but I'm going to live like I was on that side of Jordan. Can I say we're in this world, but we ain't got to be of this world. We can still live like we're with the king this morning. Hey, we can still act like we're with the king. He's there and he's forsook this world. He forgot himself. Huh? He would, and I'll tell you how you know he's with the king. You won't never find him eating at Absalom's table. I believe they'd come by to pick him up for supper. He said, I'd rather starve to death than sit at that table. He said, the next time you see me at that table, you'll see my king sitting at the head. Amen. Hey, he said, I ain't throwing in with this. Can I just say, we, got, we need to be of the same cloth he has cut out of that we ain't throwing in with this world. But, but we're following Jesus. Hey, we ain't got to look like, act like, talk like, be like them. But we need to be like him this morning. Thank God he was awaiting on the king. I can see the day when the word came. How'd that cripple get out there to meet him? I believe it's because he'd been making his way to him all them days. I don't know how far he'd get, but I believe from the moment David left the palace, I believe when Mephibosheth got word, he said, well, I'm out of here too. And day one, he might not got a, he might not got a 50 feet, but he said, I, I sit right here in case he comes looking for me. Woke up next morning, he said, well, I'm going to give it another 50 feet if I have to crawl on my elbows and my knees. I'm going to get as far as I can. I believe he got down there as far as the river, and I believe he just sat there and watched for any sign. Every day he is looking, anticipating the coming of the king. Thank God for some that are just waiting. Amen. They heard he's coming, and they're looking for him. Right. They're just looking for him. That's why you hear things at church like it could be this hour. It could be this day. There ain't nothing left to be done that hasn't already been accomplished for the Lord but to return. Thank God the king's coming and we're to be waiting for him. Watch and wait. That's what he told us to do. It's not hard. Some were waiting, but lastly, I want to give you this one. It's a little different than the others. The others were on the other side of Jordan, granted. But if you'll give me a little artistic liberty, evangelistically speaking, I guess we'd say, that means you can read anything you want to into it most of the time. No, I'm teasing. 
The Bible said this in verse number 31. And Barzilla, the Gileadite, came down from Rogalim and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now Barzilla was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. He had provided the king of substance while he lay at Mananim, for he was a very great man. And the king said to Barzilla, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. Barzilla said to the king, How long have I lived that I should go up with the king into Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old. And can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Must have COVID. Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king. And why should the king recompense at me with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again that I may die in my own city and be buried by the grave of my father and my mother. But behold, but behold thy servant, Chimham. Let him go over with my lord, the king, and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. And the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me. And I will do to him that which shall seem good unto thee. Whatsoever thou shalt require me, that will I do for thee. And all the people went over Jordan. And when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzilla and blessed him. He returned unto his own place. Then the king went on to Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him. And all the people of Judah conducted the king and also half the people of Israel. I'm interested in this man by the name of Barzilla. The king gives him an offer most could not refuse. Basically he said, whatever you want, it's yours. Barzilla, you've been a blessing to me. I'm going to be a blessing to you. Barzilla, you've been good to me. I'm going to be good to you. He said, I want to take you to the palace and you're going to live like a prince. Barzilla did something that would amaze most of us. He said, no. Said I'm an 80-year-old man. All that, all that frivolous stuff, it's lost its luster to me. Said, I'm just waiting on death. He said, But I tell you what, I'm fixing to draw my last breath. There ain't no sense in me moving. There ain't no sense in me going anywhere else. I'm on my way out of here. But he said, I got this boy by the name of Chim Ham. Said, I wish you'd take him to live in the palace. So I wish you'd adopt him into the family of king. There were some that were apathetic. There were some that were afraid. There were some that were ashamed and there were some that were just awaiting. We find right at the end as the king's coming, there were some that were ambassadors. All Barzilla wanted to do before he drew his last breath was to get somebody else in the favor of the king. Can I just say what our missionary told us this morning? That's our homework, friend, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's our job to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and other most parts of the world. We ought to be desirous with our dying breath to one more time say the name of Jesus. To one more time introduce somebody to the king. Barzilla was an ambassador. 2 Corinthians 5.20 said, Now then we are ambassadors. For Christ. That's a representative. 
It's a promoter. One who promotes another person, another place. Can I say that's what we're left in this world to do? We're to promote Christ. We're ambassadors. huh? Hey, I'll help you out. Next time you go to one of them fancy restaurants, tell them you're an ambassador and they'll be able to give you a good seat and a discount. Hey, man, tell them you're from another country. You're a foreigner and a pilgrim and a stranger here. You're an ambassador. When they ask you where, say, oh, you, you've never seen a kingdom like mine. Say, where I live, they got gates of pearl, walls of jasper. Said, we don't use asphalt, we use gold as pavement block over there. Amen. We're ambassadors for Christ. We represent him to those we come to. I want us to look at a few things about this ambassador. Number one, we see his service as an ambassador. His service, his character as, as an ambassador. He gave up his position. The Bible said in verse number 32, this is what David and the Holy Ghost said about Barzilla. He was a very great man. His character. He was known as a... On the other side of Jordan where David was, it was not David who they sang songs about. It was not David who they looked up to. It was Barzilla. He was the boss on that side of Jordan. If you, He was known. He was famous. He was a very great man. But look at what he says about himself. In verse number 32, David calls him a great man. But verse 35, he says, Wherefore then should thy servant be a burden. Verse 36, thy servant will go. Verse 37, let thy servant, I pray thee. He didn't think of himself as a great man. He said, all I am is a servant. Can I say a real ambassador for Christ? They'll never be bragging on themselves. They'll always brag on another. They won't want you to know about them. They won't want you to know about Jesus. Hey, I love you and I want to be your friend and I, I'm thankful for our fellowship. But when I leave out of Mayfield, Kentucky, I don't care if you remember the name Joe but if you'll sit around and talk about the name of Jesus, my mission is accomplished and my job is done. We ought to leave out of a place not them knowing us, but them knowing him. He gave up his position, humbled himself to be a servant. We see his character. We see his conduct. Back in 2 Samuel 17, you look at it for yourself. The day came when David crossed the river and Barzilla shows up to meet him. And he's trying to give some supplies unto David. And it would have been enough if he showed up with just bread and water. So I don't want y'all to die out here. But when you read the list, it's three verses long, everything that Barzilla brought. He brought things that the king needed. He brought beds. He said, King, he said, you may have to live out here. But you ain't going to live like you're a vagabond. Uh, just because you're on the run don't mean you're going to live like a fugitive. You ain't going to lay your head on no, uh, on no rock at night. Uh, you're not going to cover up with branches. Uh, and you're not going to lay on the dirt. And he showed up and brought beds. Who would ever thought about bringing such a thing uh, to a bunch of fugitives on the run? Uh, but Barzilla did. He said, my king's going to have a place of rest. Uh, can I just say to you, thank God for some ambassadors who every time I get around I feel like I'm just resting in the presence of God hey, hey I, I feel like it's somebody uh, that they just bring some rest in there so they're not any trouble they're rest Amen. 
Not only brought beds, but the Bible said he brought basins. <laughs> I've been on a lot of camping trips. I ain't never cared if I had a bowl. A camping trip, you you just don't take them women folk usually on the real camping trip. I know you RVers disagree. That ain't camping. That's, that's glamping. Camping's when you may or may not have a tent and there's probably a rock in your spine no matter where you put it. That's camping. And it's just for men, folks, where you spit and talk and chew and scratch and all those things. You women look at us like, what's wrong with you? And I ain't never once said, now who brought the bowls, fellas? Anybody of you stop for cups? The silverware? No, we're looking for a pocket knife that's going to be used to clean the fish, to, to, to gut the deer, to open the can, and, and to cut the steak with all purpose and all you need to do is this and it's sanitized sanitized instantly but Barzilla said you're not going to live like you out here in the wilderness like you and nobody on the run said I know you ain't been used to eating out of the out of the ground and I know you ain't been used to dipping your hand and said I'm going to show up and bring some bowls and, and basins for you to wash in why did he do that he wanted the king to be clean he said king I want you to be clean I want you to live clean out here you're not going to go back looking like you've been on the run and filthy and not washed and, and stinking he said I want you to have a place where you can come put your hands and wash and splash a little water on your face and get clean. Can I say thank God? Those real ambassadors, when you get around them, hey, you get clean. It makes me want to be holy and pure. I'm thankful for your pastor this morning. He's somebody when I get around, I want to live like Christ. I want to be like Jesus. I want to live holy and pure before God. Ambassadors. Uh, they bring some cleaning, cleansing. Brought beds, he brought basins. He did bring bread. He said, that's going to be necessary to sustain life. You've got to have bread or you ain't going to make it. And thank God for those ambassadors that show up to give us just what we need to make it. But then he brought some benefits. He brought some clusters of grapes and raisins and he brought cheeses and wine. I'm talking about things that you'd only find at the palace. He said, I know you ain't been used to just bread and water. You've been, you've been used to some delights and some, some dainties and delicacies. And he said, I'm going to make sure. See, he could have just brought him the bare minimum. And it would have satisfied the king. Hello? Is anybody else glad sometimes we just bring the bare minimum, but it satisfies the king? He ain't mad. He knows you're doing something. It's better than nothing. But Barzilla said, no, no. said, I want to bring the best. I want to give more than you're looking for, more than you're asking for, more than you're expecting. I want to be a blessing to you, an ambassador. Hey, you can tell it by their conduct. They're always looking to go above and beyond what's expected of them. His service as an ambassador. Then you see his selflessness. Look at what the Bible said. He was, he was asked to go with David. And uh, here's what he said. He said, I'm 80 years old, can't smell, can't taste, can't tell the difference in good and evil, can't hear no singing no more. At the end of the verse, wherefore then should thy servant, wherefore then should, yet, should thy servant be yet a burden unto my Lord the King? 
he refused to be a burden. An ambassador will never get in the way of what God's doing. If you're an ambassador for Christ, you ain't looking to be a burden. You know, there's some folks that come to church and they're looking for everybody to know about their burden. All they can talk about is their burden. All they want you to know about is what's wrong in their world. They want to share their burden with you. They want you to carry their burden with them. And uh, thankfully we can do that. But I'm not talking uh, about those that come in and all they can talk about is their burden. Barzilla said, I ain't going to be a burden on the king. Real ambassador don't want a burden. Hey, you, 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 you run into a real ambassador and you try to get them talking about what's wrong, they say, I, I remember first pastor I had, Brother Herschel was my pastor 28 years, most of my life, but when I was a little bitty thing, same pastor Brother Bud Stiltner had, different places, Brother Larry Underwood. And Brother Larry to this day, he's been in the ministry 50, 60 years. If you say, hey, how you doing? It don't matter if you're at Walmart or the church house. How you doing, Brother Larry? He'll say, I'm fine, thanks to Calvary. And, and this side of his smile will touch his right ear and this side will touch his left ear and his brows will raise, raise up and you'll swear he's telling the truth. Now I know for a fact I've asked him that when his wife was sick. I've asked him that when his kids had turned on him, when there was family trouble. I've asked him that in financial difficulties. And I had to find out from others about those things. All Larry Underwood would say was, I'm fine, thanks to Calvary. An ambassador won't be a burden. They refuse to be a burden. Amen. But as if that wasn't enough, David said, oh, it ain't no burden. He said, I just won't pay you back. You've been good. Remember, you brought beds. You brought basins. You brought bread. You brought these blessings to me. I just want to do something for you. You've done so much for me. Look at what he said. He said, Thy servant will, will go a little way over Jordan, verse 36, with the king. And why should the king recompense at me with such a reward? He refused to be a burden, but he refused to seek a blessing. He said, I didn't do that to get paid back. I wasn't given to get. I'm not, hey, I'm not Zeba. I'm not trying to see what I can con you out of. He said, I did it because I love you, King. I did it because you deserve it, King. I did it because you're worthy. I did it because I know who you are. Can I say a real ambassador ain't keeping score on how much they've done for the Lord and how much he's done for them? They're saying, you don't owe me one thing. They took a look at Calvary and said, you've paid it all. You've done enough. I'm going to spend the rest of my days trying to, trying to dump back into my account, trying to get out of debt because you've done way more than I could have ever expected. He refused to seek a blessing. There's some folk, they're just looking for an opportunity to get. But an ambassador is looking for an opportunity to give. He refused to be a burden. He refused to seek a blessing. But this is what I'm interested in. He refused to overlook a bystander. He said, if you want to do something, he said, I got this boy named Chim Ham. Where'd that boy come from? Huh? His name has never been mentioned. We don't know nothing about him and we'll know very little about him after this. If it wasn't for Barzilla, you wouldn't know about Chimham. If Barzilla wasn't who he was, Chimham would not even be in the Bible. Barzilla looked around and he said, I tell you what, 
You're not going to leave us alone. You're insisting on doing something. Take him with you. He said, I'd like to see him go live with you. He refused. See what I'm saying? Shem Ham's a nobody. Some say it was probably his, his youngest son. Others say it was just a servant. That's how we don't know. Because we don't know. But this nobody with a nothing name got into the family because Barzilla said, I'm going to use my blessing card on one thing. I want to nobody to meet somebody who will change anybody. And ambassador just says, hey, I don't care if you're the cashier down at the Kroger. Uh, you're somebody. I don't care if you're a North Korean that hates America's good. You're a soul in need of salvation. I don't care if you're Red China. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. You need Jesus. They just refuse to overlook the ordinary people in line. His selflessness. Last and I'm done, we see his satisfaction as an ambassador. Two things that he wanted. Number one, we see it in verse number uh, 39. All the people went over Jordan, and when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzilla and blessed him in return. And don't let this messed up, whack job, liberal, God-hating, God-denying, goofy, theological mess of an outfit in our day act like there was something out of the way taking place here. This is not two men in love in, in the way love we think love is. Not two homosexuals. This is a man who loved his king more than himself, and a king who recognized a love in this man. And it's a friendship, it's a bond, it's a real love. It's different than a husband and wife. And the Bible said it kissed him and blessed him. There's two things this ambassador wanted his satisfaction was for the king to kiss his face. He said, I don't want you. <laughs> oh, I want to be like Barzilla. He said, King, I don't want you silver and gold. That's, 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 that's real amazing, but I just spend it. I'm not looking for new robes. Oh, hats off to you, Taylor. You sure do dress nice. And he said, oh, that food, I'm sure you got the greatest chefs in the land, but Mama does a pretty good job on on chicken and dumplings too. He said, he said, look, I, what I'm saying is I don't want all those lavish things. He said, if you want to know what I really want, he said, you plant one right. All I want is your love. Can I say it'll be a good day in your life when all you do, what you do for, is for the love of the king. All you need to satisfy your soul is to hear from heaven's throne room, Jesus loves me, this I know. Father, my Bible tells me so. It ought to stir our hearts to serve sacrificially as an ambassador when we know the love he has for him. His satisfaction was in knowing. He just wanted the king to kiss his face. Lastly, for the king to keep his future. He said, all I want to do right now in this life, he said, I, I'm 80 year old. If I could find a good place to lay down and die, I'll be a happy man. Huh? 
80 years old, that's young back in them days, but he must have had a mean wife or something. He's ready to get out of here. He said, I just want to lay down and die. That's bad. Uh, I've got some of them church members that they just every time you talk to them, it's like they're just, I'm just so tired I can die. I'm thinking, you're going to get your wish one of these days. You keep asking for it, God's going to grant it. He, he just wanted to die. He said, I'm 80 year old. Going to die. He said, I'm fixing to die, but he said, if I could leave out of this world with one promise, one hope in my soul, he said, I'd like for my boys. I don't want them to live here as the son of Barzilla. He said, I wish they could live over there as the son of David. David said, if you want them boys in my family, said, I got more seats at my table than I do, know, know what to do with. Said, I promise you this, uh, they'll have a place at my table to eat continually. And he left out. And David kissed him as he went a little way over Jordan and Barzilla turned around. And as far as we know, he died before he got the house. But he died with a smile on his face and a song in his heart. But knowing his sons was getting in the king's family. Can I say, if you did have I, I'm thankful this morning and I ain't mad about sports I like them all, I watch them all and, and now that our dear brother missionary is gone, I pay a lot of money to see them all too, but uh, hey man, I just gotta salve my soul a little bit go ahead and confess your faults one to another, I got a sports addiction and it, and it ain't gonna change, but I feel better admitting it and uh, what I'm trying to say to you, what I'm trying to say this morning, when I leave out of here much as I love sports, I don't care how far that boy throws a football. I don't care how far that she don't hit a softball. I don't... Where'd she go? There you are. Huh? Now, Emma has a different way of doing it. Ginger's good. I, I give you that. I mean, I'm proud of you. Hats off. I couldn't do what you do. Ginger chooses to hit the ball. Emma's approach is to just let the ball hit her. They both get the same base. They both get the same base. And her own base percentage is up there with yours, I guarantee you. She bats like this, you know. And it works. And I'm proud of her. She's going she's gonna to be a little bit retarded before she's 20. Took one too many. I don't care. When I leave out of here, if I can have taught them to drive a tractor, hit a ball, throw a ball, shoot a ball, pin a kid on the mat, beat somebody, all that stuff, it's unimportant. But if I can leave out of here knowing I sent them to the king's house, <laughs> if I know they got the king's family, if I know they're headed to the king's palace, that my work here's done, Barzilla said, I'm about to die. But the one thing I want before I die is to watch my boys march off in line with the king. And you find David said, whatever you want, I'll give it. And he took them boys home with him. And he said, Jim Ham's going to eat at my table. And Jim Ham's going to be in my family. And you'll read in your Bible, I'll not take you there. But in 1 Kings chapter 2, in verse number 7 David's a dying man in, in verse 7 he's dying verse 10 he's dead that's how close to death he is in verse 7 and the last things David said drawing, death rattled in his lungs drawing his last breath he looked at Solomon he said 
Don't you forget what that old cussing snake in the grass Simeon did. Said, I made him a promise I wouldn't kill him, but I didn't tell him you wouldn't. <laughs> Handled that his business, son. Put a curse on Shimei. He said, oh yeah, one more thing. He said, you remember Barzilla's boys, don't you? He said, make sure they eat at your table continually. And you'll find all the days of David after he left Barzilla, them boys was eating with them. And all the days of Solomon, them boys were eating at, at, at Solomon's table. Uh, they was nobody's living nowhere until an ambassador introduced them to the king. And now they're being reared and raised in the palace as princes. What I'm saying, that was an eternal difference made. It went beyond David. It went beyond Solomon. Matter of fact, you read the book of Ezra. Nehemiah, I don't know how many hundreds of years it is from David to Ezra and Nehemiah, but it's a long, long time, hundreds of years. They're doing a registry of everybody returning to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and the temple. When they're taking down them names, they're going through the tribes, Judah and Benjamin, and on, on, on. And they said, out of all those, they said, oh yeah, and the sons, sons of Barzilla. Hundreds of years later, that boys, his great, 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 great grandchildren are still in the king's family because great, 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 great granddaddy said, I ain't looking for what I can get out of this, but I want to give what I got to somebody. I want to give my blessing away and get somebody else in. Amen. Matter of fact, I, I'm done. Two minutes and I'm done. It was so big. It was really not even the sons of Barzilla at this point. You know, every, every child's not blessed to be a boy like I was. Some of y'all end up being girls under God's judgment. And can't help that. I got one myself. It's rough being a girl. It's rough being a girl. You don't get a date till you're 35. That's rough. Got to wait on your father. In the, in the Bible, the way it's set up in the Bible, the dad had to pass away before the daughter could ever think about marriage. And uh, I've got her convinced of that. She's homeschooled, so where's she going to hear any different? It was not the sons of Barzilla. Very odd thing in Jewish society, for real. I'm being serious now. It was the daughters of Barzilla. And these were married daughters. They married some old boys from whatever tribe them boys was fine from. But when they got married, they did something opposite of our society. And I mean almost a smack in the face of Jewish society. When them boys got ready to marry them girls, they said, I know you're supposed to take my name. But said, my family ain't, we ain't got much going for us. Said, it'd be better if we took your name. Said, I'd like to be named as one of Barzilla's family instead of one of his girls being named after me. Those boys were so amazed and enthralled at the thought of giving Barzilla's family that they dropped their name for Barzilla's name. What I'm saying is God was a blessing in the house of Barzilla long after he's gone. But God was keeping covenant. The king's word was continuing. Hallelujah, the king's coming. And there's some ambassadors. They're going to be pleased. I'll give you one more thing on old Barzilla. Chim Ham. Y'all remember his name, don't you? Chim Ham. That was the servant that I believe, from my reading, I believe he's the youngest son of Barzilla. But Chim Ham was the one mentioned. We're told sons of Barzilla, so I'm assuming the rest went with him, but we don't really know. But at least Chim Ham went. 
And Jeremiah, okay, Ezra, yeah, Nehemiah. But of all places, Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. The book of Jeremiah, you'll find his name one more time. In Jeremiah chapter 41, verse number 17, strangest place. So shall it be, uh, uh, verse 41, 17, and they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem, to go to enter into Egypt. Jeremiah, you got these, these captives that are recovered, and it said they departed and they dwelt in the habitation of Chimham. Now, I'm not changing my Bible. You know what the word habitation means? It means habitation. You don't need nothing else to do that. But do you know where I stayed last night at the Wingate? What's it called? Duckfield? Broomhandle? What is it? Wingfield. Wingfield? Do you know what that is? It's a motel, a hotel, but it's a habitation. It's where you lay down, take a nap, take a sleep, have a party, whatever you do. Habitation. <laughs> Habitation. When you look up this word, here's what it says in your Strong's Concordance. Not that you need that. I ain't fixing your Bible. It's written perfectly. The word habitation. Geruth. G-E-R-U-T-H was the word. I asked Brother Bagwell. He's one of them knows Hebrew and Greek. Only Greek I ever knew was Greek salad, and I didn't like it. But uh, Hebrew and Greek. And he told me, he said, the word G-E-R, ger, he said, that means a, a pilgrim. A foreigner, a stranger. I said, good enough for me. What I read was this. That word habitation was literally the same word as the word inn. An inn. A motel. Chim Ham set up a motel. An inn. Where weary pilgrims could lay their head. You say, well, what a blessing. Yeah, but you done forgot what we read. I talked to you so long. It's like a magic trick. Where was that inn at? It was in Bethlehem. Does anybody ever sing that song, Oh Big, Oh Big Metropolis City Like Atlanta of Bethlehem? No, what's the Christmas song tell us? Oh little town of Bethlehem. Well, Mayfield's a little town. How many motels y'all got? If you say one better than that when we stayed in, I'm gonna hurt somebody. <laughs> There's two and one of them was booked. Two. Bethlehem. I don't imagine there were inns all over Bethlehem. It's a little bitty town. It's a nothing town. It was an overlooked town. And there was, a, there was an inn there that Chimham started. And it was run by his family. Well, I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it. I believe way over in Matthew and way over in Mark and Luke and John that when the Son of God was being birthed into this earthly world that by that virgin womb, they showed up at an inn in Bethlehem. And I know they said there's no room here. They just tell them the truth. There wasn't any rooms left. But I believe it was Chimham. I believe it was Barzilla's great, 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 great grandboy that said, but my great, 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 great grandfather was a man of mercy and a man of love and a man of compassion and our family's known for it. And I ain't sending no mama and daddy out to the cold, out to the night. The best I got a, a stable out back, but it's yours if you'll have it. Amen. I believe when old Barzella, <laughs> the ambassador said, before I die, I'd like to get one more into the family. 
I'd like to tell somebody else about the king. Little did he know that it would be Jim Ham that would be the one <laughs> that would set up an end that the darling son of God was going to show up at when he made his trip in this world. Can I just say to the ambassadors at Unity Baptist Church this afternoon, can I let those in the little town of Mayfield know this afternoon, it may not look like much and you may draw your dying breath in this world knowing no different, but it might be the next one you tell about him. It'll be the house he comes by when he makes his way back into this old world to take us home. The king's coming. He's looking for some ambassadors this afternoon. Might as well. Somebody, Brother Mike Norman, you say this, somebody's got to be a Christian. Might as well be you. Somebody's got to be an ambassador. Why not you?